it is possible to overcome hardship and extreme limitations because that's what God wants us to do. But the thing is, in order to be able for us to be able to do that, we have to learn to become mentally strong or at least mentally resistant against the things that we as humans and also Satan himself is trying to push against us to get us to quit Welcome and to the to CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians become world-changing disciple-makers. I'm Paul Watson, this is Rebecca Ewing, and you're listening to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash faithworks, or click on the link in the description. To those of you who already support this podcast, thank you so much. Your support helps us put the tools in the hands of men and women just like you who want to experience a disciple-making movement in their own neighborhood. Now, I love the idea of this podcast. I've been pretty excited about it. Um, we have it's. We're going to focus on the habits of mentally strong disciple makers. Okay, so here's the premise: Satan likes to nudge us into patterns of thinking that are unhelpful and destructive. Okay, eventually, our thinking affects our actions. Because, and actions influenced by negative thinking destroy everything around us. Sometimes it happens fast, and sometimes it happens slow. Now, here's the kicker. Times of high stress are often times where the most vulnerable. So I'm just going to tell you right now, we're in COVID. That's a high-stress situation for many of us. Some of us are having to work from home for the first time and navigate those. We have kids that are also trying to do school from home for the first time. Then the second thing is, is that that can lead to stress is isolation and COVID and the pandemic and all the restrictions around that have led to massive feelings of isolation. So get this, we're under high stress and we feel isolated. That creates an environment for us to begin to develop patterns of thinking that are destructive and for Satan to nudge those patterns of thinking into, into habits and routines that aren't helpful. It's also a little bit of a who moved my cheese kind of moment where, hey, right. we used to be able to handle life with the parameters that we had been given and, and the world that we had. Now we have a different world that has a whole different uh, set of problems and issues and limitations. And so now we can't just simply do the things that we could do before. And that could send us into a tailspin as to what do we do now? And we're not used to having to deal with so much change and so much uh, challenge, so many challenges at the same time. And I think Paul and I have really noticed as we've been helping people through this time. I, t- I tell you, when this, when the lockdown started, mm-hmm. little less than a year ago, you know, I looked at Paul and said, "We have got work to do," because yeah. you know. We're in the business of helping people who want to lead in ministry, whether they're just a lay person who wants to be able to see people come to know Jesus or whether they literally are administrators of of organizations and things like that. And 
you know, we have to be able to, to, to help them know how to navigate during this time. And we dug in and, and came up some thoughts and plans and creativity. And we've seen many people inside our community step up and be able to be creative and, and successful during this time. But it wasn't without trouble and hardship. Right. I know that Rebecca, you and I, and our coaching of our community are the nature of our coaching calls has been more pastoral in the last year than it has in previous years. In other words, we've had to come alongside people and listen to what's going on in their lives, help them through difficult spots and stresses. And in some cases through, um, through the loss of jobs, in some cases, the uh, death of loved ones or family or friends because of COVID. I mean, all of these things are there. And you're right. When they've taken the steps to identify the problem and then they've, they've made forward progress once they've identified it and moved forward, then uh, they're able to have some, posit- some incredibly positive outcomes. I mean, members of our community in many cases experienced more fruit in 2020 in spite of COVID than we did in 2019, where they had all of the freedoms available to them. And it's because they identified the problems, they made decisions to do things differently, and then they were able to move forward and bear fruit. In fact, uh, this past year, and in 2020, in a really hard year, we multiplied our discovery groups, Bible studies, and DMCs by four or five times. Yep than what we did uh, last year. So, you know, there it is possible, and this is why we turn to our community and say, hey, it is possible to overcome hardship and extreme limitations because that's what God wants us to do. But the thing is, in order for us to be able to do that, we have to learn to become mentally strong or at least mentally resistant against the things that we as humans and also Satan himself is trying to push against us to get us to quit and to give up. That's right. And so there are some things that we can do to help us cultivate mental strength. And so uh, one of the things that we do to cultivate men- mental strength is to identify our weak spots. Uh, I know that I, every single one of us has weak spots. Rebecca's my best friend. She could tell you in, in probably 10 minutes exactly all the places where I really struggle. And it's really important for us to be able to, to know those weak spots if we're going to do anything else. Well, you know, and we're in a day and age in which we want to, where we fake good and where we also pretend like there's no real failing or weak spots. And we only like to focus on our strengths instead of being really honest and deal with our weaknesses that we have. And so, um, and so this is really important for us to realize as a Christian that our life is all about repentance. It's, it, our entire lives are repentance where we're asking God to search and know our hearts and minds and our Mm -hmm. actions and to change them into someone that is more like his and also to see to where his kingdom comes. So there are different ways that we can discover our weak spots. And so these are different ones we come up. The first one is obviously close friends and family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, we got to let people in our lives give us, give them the right to tell us, that we're doing something not right or that we're something is wrong. And we like to think, well, whoa, this person has close friends and family. That doesn't mean that we, we operate that for each other, that we lovingly come to each other and say, hey, I see this happening in your life. 
you know, I'm really concerned about this or and about you, you know, let's talk about it. And yeah. first off, you need to give that person, the, the people around you permission, especially the close people around you permission to tell you things and to respond well to them. And then also be willing to do the same to them. That's right. And I love the way you talked about responding well, because we may verbally give someone the permission to speak in their life. And then when they do so, if we then punish them for speaking into our lives, then we haven't really given permission. And punishment can come several ways. We get mad and we yell at them and, and, and not apologize for it later. You know, sometimes we do get mad in the moment and we can make little mistakes, but we don't own it and everything. We get mad or we get silent and Mm -hmm. pout. Pouting is another way. Yeah. And we can isolate ourselves from it and just, oh, well then I'm just not going to play. I'm just not going to be around you. I mean, there are different ways that we do this. So just be careful. You may verbally give people permission to speak in your life, but, but follow that up with action that backs up what your words say. The Bible says is that a wise man loves instruction mm-hmm. and that the faithful are the wounds of the friend, but a kisses of an enemy are deceitful. If we really embrace that idea in life and realize that, Hey, you know, this is a value I want to have in my life that I'm open to be to growing and open to people telling me lovingly what they see happening. Very close to this, Paul, and I know this is mm-hmm. something that you have been noticing earlier, is community. Now, this is something slightly different. These are not your best friends who see you all the time, but it's like the people you hang around with. Yeah, and and they're going to catch the big things. And not only that, their collective momentum is going to pull you forward into positive things. So if you are around a community that is celebrating all the things that God is doing in spite of COVID, you're going to find that you can walk into the room with slightly depressed mood and yet be lifted and elevated and leave the room more positive than when you came in. On the flip side, if you have a community that is by nature um, negative and is always talking about the negative things that are happening, then you might walk in kind of positive and end up being pulled down by the group into a negative place where you feel like you are helpless to make a positive change in your life. But, you know, at the same time, you want to find uh, a community that shares your, that has your shared mission. Mm -hmm. You know, um, one of the things I was talking to one of our coach team about is the fact that you know, it's, it's difficult for people, particularly in uh, first world countries like America and things like that, to find community of Christians that are really intent upon great commission, great commandment mission that God is. And so you can find a, you know, hangout spot for people who have the same shared creed. But do you have shared mission with them? And, and so that can actually pull you up and keep you going mentally when you have a group of people that actually say, yes, we're dedicated together to be able to, to win the lost and to take care and love our neighbors and communities. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that Rebecca and I have worked so hard to develop and create space for the CDM community is because we want everyone that's a part of our coach community to be able to plug in and be with other people like them. I I affectionately call them weirdos. Other weirdos, people who look at the world differently through the lens of the Great Commission and Great Commandment to help pull them forward. And sometimes if we isolate ourselves and not be around community, like a broader community where we see Mm -hmm. people being successful and pushing towards the kingdom, then we can feel like our inactivity or depression or our, uh, you know, apathy is normal. 
And so therefore, good. So the next one is something that Paul and I really love is books and podcasts. So in other words, guys, you know, seeking wisdom means that we can seek wisdom that's not textbook Christian or Christian does it. You know, there are, there are truths and good helps and tips that are in a lot of different books out there and that reflect the truth of God. And it's good for us to be in a continual path of learning. Yeah, I like the idea. I think I read one time in Oswald Chambers that he talked about a good sermon is simply a pastor holding up a mirror and allowing you to see yourself for who you truly are. And I think the same is true of a lot of good books um, and things and testimonies of people out there or biographies is that it holds up a mirror and you go, ooh. I struggle with that too, or I've said that, or I've thought that. A few that have helped me in this develop an accurate picture of myself have been The Trident by Jason Redmond. Jason was a Navy SEAL. He ended up thinking he was all that and a bag of chips, the most amazing guy out there when he was really terrible. And yes, chips are good. Uh, (laughs) But Jason, I mean, he thought he was awesome and he wasn't. And his, and his other SEALs treated him bad, and he was like, why? You know, he was like, I'm being persecuted. People don't just don't like me, and that's everything. Until one day, and he had been busted down to ranger school and was picking up cigarette butts off the ground that he had an epiphany, and he realized, oh, wait a second. This is my fault. I'm really not as great as I thought it was. And once he had that realization, it turned him on a path of being able to earn the respect of his, his SEAL brothers again. And that was, that's an amazing thing. I read the book and I was like, oh man, do I have a, a view of myself that isn't in line with how things are? And so books that have helped me you know, examine that were The Trident by Jason, but also um, No One Understands You and What to Do About It by Heidi Halverson and Insight by Tasha Yurek. I mean, those are some great books that, that you... I used to help me develop a more um, accurate awareness of who I truly was so that I could begin working on my problems. Of course, this, I'm going to t- say one of the, the obvious ones is Bible re- in your Bible <laughs> reading and self-examination right. list. And I want to, uh, you want, you're like, oh, that's the throwaway one. Well, actually not, because a no. lot of times people, they read the Bible without actually self-examining and saying, okay, how am I really measuring up to this? I, I had someone that I was speaking with that was talking about wanting to have a, not wanting to have a hard heart. And mm. that was one of their goals for the year. And that's a great goal that it, well, that's a great vision point. I say there's that's a difference right. between vision and goals. That's a great vision to have, to not, to have a soft heart. Well, the thing is, is that where that if we're not specific about things, then it can we can miss the mark. And so what all is in the idea of having a soft heart is one that is obedient and loving towards others. Well, what's all in that? What, uh, well, 1 Corinthians tells us a lot about the specifics of what it means to love. And then also things like pride and selfishness and unforgiveness and stubbornness. You know, these are all things, unbelief, these are all things that can make a hard heart. So and the, the, the annals of the past, the fake Christians of the past, what they've done is actually made lists of these mm-hmm. sins and these, these habits, these bad habits, and actually spend time going through them saying, am I doing any of these things? Is mm-hmm. there anyone that I need to forgive? And so on and so forth. They, they, they think through them and pray through them 
to be able to make sure that that they they are not they are thinking through and being self aware about what they're and That's of right. course inviting the Holy Spirit to help reveal you know bring things to mind as they look through these lists. So I would encourage everybody to have some type of process, some type of list that they're going through in order to be able to self examine. Yeah, I think another one is a mentor. And now you might sit there and say, well, family and friends, you know, and, and if you have those, you don't need a mentor. No, no, no. A mentor is someone who who helps you you think through in a specific area in your life uh, what may be going on. So Rebecca and I have had mentors in terms of business and, and helping us, you know, where we come to them with our thinking and they, out of their experience, ask us questions that we may not have even considered. And so you can have mentors that help you develop your capacity by dealing with sin issues in your life. They're asking you specific questions about your character or a specific um, thing like like business or fundraising or, or whatever. But a mentor is a formal relationship that helps you develop and, uh, and develop awareness in a particular area of life. So not only do we sit there and uh, identify our weak spots, but we have to take responsibility for them. One of my favorite authors, Jocko Willink, is a Navy SEAL. He wrote a book called uh, Extreme Ownership. And he basically says that in extreme ownership, we have to uh, identify what the recognize that the weak spot is there, but we've got to take responsibility not for the, for the circumstances that led up to it, and for the solution that's going to help us go past. So, what do we mean by that? And so, you know, you guys couldn't help COVID. I mean, I don't think anyone in here, you know, is responsible for COVID, but you are responsible for how you have addressed the circumstances that COVID has created in your own life. Now, when you were forced to isolate, did you use your isolation to do things that were positive, that built the kingdom, that built those around you, that took care of other people? Or did you just sit the entire time and play um, garage band or whatever, air guitar, and uh, watch, you know, um, uh, endless Netflix series and stuff like that? So you you have to take ownership um, of of things in spite of the circumstances. So, you know, there are other things that people kind of blame things on and say, this is the reason why. I can never move forward or this is the way I am. You know, that could be past hurts, their upbringing, mm-hmm. it could be their personality. I've heard a lot of people say things like, you know, well, I'm an I'm an introvert, so I'm just never going to really be able to 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 affect a lot of people or I'm really disorganized. That's just not my personality, so I'm just always going to be the kind of person that shoots from the hip. You know, so, you know, that there people often use that as an excuse to say I don't have it, you know, other people's actions. Well, I can never do this. I, I can never make disciples because I'm a mom, or because I'm a. Right. I have a family that I have to take care of because my wife does blah blah blah, or because I have a job that is it that ke- that keeps me busy. So there's just a, a lot of you know, even the actions of others that are around you that people use those excuses. Yeah, we've we've heard people like blame that they can't be more involved in disciple making because of their spouse. We've heard um, I can't be more involved in disciple making because of my pastor or this other person or my organization or whatever it may be. And that gets down to another one: systems. I you know the it's the church's fault. The Mm -hmm. church hasn't done this. Christians are great at this. We blame everything on this monolithic church that no one can do anything about it. Or perhaps, you know, or perhaps like liberals or 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 conservatives or the government or, you know, something, you know, some large group of people, you know. 
Yeah, G.K. Chesterton actually talks about that. He sits there and, and, and identifies that we have a tendency to blame these monolithic groups for all of our problems because it means that we cannot be expected to change those groups so we're able to avoid any personal responsibility for making a difference in our day-to-day actions. It's phenomenal uh, to think about it that way. So are we blaming our church or the staff or whatever for our inability to make disciples? So we don't want to make a excuses. So that's one of the, that's part of taking responsibility for our weak spots and really realizing is us. But one thing before we start actually changing things to recognize is that it's not just our human nature that is, has a tendency to sometimes towards weakness and blame gaming and all this different type of stuff, but also that there's a spiritual warfare component in it. Mm -hmm. You know, the Bible tells us that we need to be aware of Satan's devices, that we're supposed to be vigilant because our adversary, the devil, is looking to whom he devours. So he is, Satan is actively trying to attack our minds to be able to keep us weak or to get us off track. And he often just plants those thoughts and feelings and, and, and fans the flame of our negative feelings and thoughts in order to be able to get us around track. And this is going to sound weird. But one of the best books you can read on spiritual warfare is the Screw Tape Letters. Hands by down, C.S. Lee. I totally I mean, agree. You read it and you're like, "Oh my goodness, I do that." Like I have thoughts like that, and and he does a really good job of pointing out very specific things that Satan can do to get people off track when it comes to just simple tricks of the thought that happens. Yeah, it's amazing. We we have thoughts. Thoughts just come up into our into our minds all of the time. It's not a big deal. And we we can quickly identify a thought and go, is that true and or is it not? And we choose to, which thoughts to dwell upon and all of that. But what Satan likes to do is he likes to you have the thought and then he causes you to hold it and then he twists it. So you might sit there and uh, be in church one day and notice the shortcomings of someone else. Perhaps you saw a deacon of the church, you know, speaking sternly or yelling at their kids in the in the parking lot as you were walking in. And you just sit there and you say, you see that guy? He doesn't have it all figured out, blah, 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 blah. Well, now what Satan has done is he's nudged you to thinking negatively about someone to the point that you now are not examining your own heart in church, you're focused on the negative of someone else. And so then you're not able to change. Another typical one is lies by what I call lies by association. So in other words, again, a problem comes up, maybe a disappointment that has happened or maybe uh, some hardship that has come up. And, the, and very natural, normal feelings of grief or frustration or anger or sadness arise from this. And it, but instead of it being, or disappointment, like I said, you know, instead of it being just one thing, he wants to say, it's, it's this way with everything. You right. know, there's no hope. That. You know, there's no hope. There's everything's bad. It's, you know, and so he tries to make it blow it up to where instead of it's just this one single thing, it's now in general for everything. Right. And we, we apply that, we apply that to groups of people too, right? To where we can say, well, all people of this group is that way. Like all men are just that way or all women are just that way. And it's terrible. So really ultimately what he wants us to do is always focus on all the bad things and to fortune tell 
bad outcomes. You know, mm-hmm. oh, if you go out that door and you talk to somebody about Jesus, it's always going to end badly. They're going right. to may- maybe yell at you or, you know, look weird at you and they're going to shun you at work or that or something, you know, the, the long list of bad outcomes. What if they won't hear me? Blah, blah, blah. And, and, and it's like it never enters into our minds. But what if it goes well? Right. And, and, and that really does, in the end, affect not only what we do, whether or not we go out our door or pick up the phone to engage somebody, but also how we do it. You know, mm-hmm. what, are we, what we are expecting affects how we do something. So, that, so we're, we're, we've talked a lot about the issues and the weak spots mm-hmm. and the blame games and how Satan's against us. So what do we do with it? Because sometimes some of these negative mindsets have become habit for us. They become just naturally what comes to mind when these things happen. So how can we be different? And one of the things that I've learned is the fact that you actually have to retrain yourself to think differently. A lot of times when you get into a place in your, either your life or whether it's a short period of time or a long period of time, you have to, you may have to actually retrain and be, be disciplined to retrain yourself to think differently. Uh, there's a lady called Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she has developed something called the 21-Day Brain Detox. Now, Dr. Caroline Leaf is a Christian neuroscientist, and she has actively spent her life uh, researching the brain and how that we can actually train and create new pathways in our brain by through gratefulness, through rehearsing truth to ourselves, through going through positive actions and things like that to actually train ourselves out of depression, anxiety, all types of negative, toxic thinking. And I believe that's what the Bible tells is meaning when he tells us, you know, to capture every thought and mm-hmm, to not be conformed mm-hmm. to the thinking of the world and to, to realize that there's a battle for our brain. And one of the things that she says to do is that we need to make a list of the toxic thoughts that we think in our heads. Oh, there's no way this can happen. I can't do this action. It's impossible. This will never happen. You know, just all, you know, I'm not loved and blah, blah, blah. You know, just all these different toxic thoughts. And then one by one over a period of 21 days to be rehearsing truths about this instead of the lies and to meditate on the opposite of that toxic thought and the outplays of them and surrounding that with praise and gratefulness. And it literally changes your brain. Yeah, I love that about particularly the praise and the gratefulness piece is that a lot of times I personally will be on a negative train, whether it's about my life or my circumstances, particularly around COVID. And I will go in and I will pick something small that I am grateful for. Like I, and this is going to sound silly, but uh, my parents gave me a new set of knives for Christmas and they're nice and sharp. And so I'll pick up a knife and I'll use it to cut a slice of bread or something like that. And I just stop and I remember a time when I didn't have that mm-hmm. and, and everything. And then I go, I am so grateful for these knives. And then I'm, I'm grateful for parents that actually got me these knives. And it puts me on this train of gratitude that then can pull me out of that negative space and help me to be thankful about other things in my life and be more positive when I walk back into a meeting. Yeah, you know, simple things like I used to believe that, you know, I wasn't going to be able 
to make progress in, like for instance, you know, having my conversations with unbelievers. I, I used to believe, but now I do. And then we can imagine maybe what it would be like to have a positive conversation with somebody around us and just revel in that moment and say, thank you, God. I know that's in your future, for, uh, in my future, is that you want me to have these kind of conversations. So, but it's, it, so this retraining of our brains should be in conjunction with a change of our actions because they Mm -hmm. actually go hand in hand because what you believe affects the way you act and a lot and you have to believe beyond your feelings. And sometimes the way you act affects what you believe. And so they really are attuned. We're not saying to wait until you believe or feel better to begin acting. Uh, We're not saying that at all. So what we are saying is that you need to believe and work on believing and feeling better, but you need to also find the actions that complement those beliefs and begin to do those things as well. So it's not just, I'm waiting to feel like a generous person or a hospitable person before I invite someone into my home. Sometimes we need to go, I want to be generous and hospitable, and so I'm going to invite someone into my home and then be generous and hospitable to them, understanding that then it will also help me develop the thought patterns and everything when I have that positive experience. That is often, you know, it is often then the action taken in faith, saying like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to act on this despite my fear, despite my feelings, despite all this stuff that brings breakthrough. Because now there's the opportunity for things to go well and for us to be on a path of actually responding and doing it anyway. And it often changes our feelings in the process, whether it's because we actually had a good outcome or whether we're like, you know what, that wasn't so bad. I made it into this big, scary thing and it wasn't so bad. And, and so we feel good about it. Yeah, we see this happen all the time. People will um, not do the prayer, not want to do the prayer calendar because they're so worried about what people might say or might do. And so, but then they they take their first like weeks worth of calls or even the first months of calls, and then they go, "Wow, this was a life changing thing. It was amazing. It has affected my mood and my walk with the Lord, and it's been incredible." And we see that happen with engagement, everything. So you know, when you are moving forward into this, so you're you're retraining your brain, you're changing your actions you're moving forward, you know, you can also put other habits into your life that actually lead you towards mental strength. You know, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the, again, the books out there that <laughs> talks about this, it says in the past, people used to say people who are depressed, you need to spend more time with self-care and thinking about yourself right. and all this. The reality is, is now they're finding the sciences that's a bunch of hooey. It didn't work. That's Amazing right. that, the, that the principles of God's word work where it says if you want somebody to get better from depression, encourage them to go hang out with some people, to actually reach out and do something loving and kind for somebody else, to give and be generous to other people. That is actually getting outside of ourselves is what actually allows us to be able to get that strength. Hmm. That's, that starts to make sense now, doesn't it, according it to almost, what the Bible is telling us? It almost us. sounds biblical. Yes, it almost sounds like biblical. So let's have habits in our lives of giving, of being around others, of spending time with positive relationships, of being kind to one another's, uh, to other people, and that really helps. 
Yeah. So, I mean, just just thinking about this, you know, then how do we look and protect ourselves against future weak spots? Because trust me, there are a lot of people out there who believe that they are um, that they have uh, arrived, that they've fixed the problems, and they're not going to have any problems in the future. Well, let me just tell you. That's not going to happen. So you need to be leaning into community all the time. Just don't just don't think that you have it done once. You need to be reading books all of the time. Just don't think that you've got it figured out. You need to continually educate yourself, continually watch for yellow flags, continually look out for the schemes of the devil. This is not just a one and done thing, people. We have to really protect ourselves and to keep things moving forward. Now, all of this Rebecca has been talking about. We've mentioned several books and things like that. Rebecca's talked about some books. I've talked about some books. Now at CDM, we're launching a book club. And uh, this book club is, is open to anyone who is a believer, who wants to be a disciple maker, who's interested in engaging and, and talking about a books and talking about how they relate to themselves personally, how it relates to making disciples, and how it relates to helping others become disciple-making mistake disciple makers as well. So the first book that we're going to be starting in February is 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do by Amy Morin. And uh, she's got some great principles in there. They really align with a lot of what we see in scripture. They align with what Rebecca and I have seen as we've helped people in coaching and overcoming various things to help them become disciple makers in their life. And we're going to be doing that. If you're wanting information about our book club and want to register, then go ahead and send an email to team at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com. That's T-E-A-M at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com. We'll give you the information that you need to be able to register to dive in to our first book. Spaces are limited because we want to make sure and maximize conversation around these things. So don't wait if that sounds like something that you are interested in. You've been listening to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, review this podcast. We'll be back with our premium content after the break where we'll be discussing three of the different chapters or topics from Amy Morin's book, uh, The 13 Habits That Mentally, uh, or 13 Things That Mentally Successful People Don't Do. And uh, we're going to be talking about three of those after the break that really apply to disciple making. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash faithworks, or just click on the link in the description. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast. To hear part two, become a supporter on our Patreon page. You can find the link in the description. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com.